Welcome to City Life Church, and this is our podcast. This is Pastor Dave Diefendorf, and we are so honored to have you join us today. Our passion is to help you discover who God is, grow in the likeness of Jesus, and lead well in this generation. I hope in this message, God will meet you where you're at and take you to the next level in your connection with Him and His kingdom. Enjoy the message. Well, good morning, everybody. Hope you guys are well. Um, We, last week, started a series on Abraham. Uh, We've been looking at this call of God on Abraham, and so we're going to take another uh, uh, iteration of this call. And uh, so let me just pray before we dive in. God, Lord God, we thank you for your word, and thank you that it's the centerpiece in our walk with you that we get to know you more through your word, that we get to hear your voice through your word that we get to understand who we are through your word. And God, we understand what you've called us to do and be in this generation, God, through your word. So God, I pray that you would open up your word to us this morning, that we may see you and see ourselves in the way that you do. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, uh, roughly about 150 years ago, uh, there was a famous artist that was born in 1881, Pablo Picasso uh, was born on planet Earth. Uh, he was a Spaniard. He was Spanish in background, but he lived the most, of, most of his life in France. And uh, obviously, you've heard his name, Pablo Picasso. Uh, but what's interesting is Pablo, uh, he had, every once in a while, he would do a self-portrait. And uh, Pablo Picasso, early in his uh, career, uh, painted a self-portrait of himself. And it looks like this, uh, a little, some shade in there, uh, but relatively, uh, you know, a nice self-portrait. But then, as Pablo Picasso uh, grew up, as he developed as an artist, um, he began to uh, see himself a little bit differently. Uh, during his midlife, this was a self-portrait of himself, a little bit different than his first one. And then at the end of his life, when he was 90, he died at 92, but he painted one at age 90, uh, and this was one of his last self-portraits. So we go from this young, idealistic artist who sees himself and paints himself. But then as the years go, as time goes, actually Pablo became an atheist, even though he grew uh, grew up Catholic. He became an atheist. Uh, he was a world-renowned philanderer, uh, had girlfriends, but was uh, infidelity, had infidelity with almost every relationship that he had, as well as he was very abusive. And so you can see as this one young man who was an artist that at the young age of 20 thought, man, there's, there's so much that I can design, paint and design and, and create. But as his life was at the tail end, at the twilight of his life, you could see that he was a very fractured individual. As life went on, his life, through his own self-portrait, became more and more fractured. And if we allow time for the spotlight to rest on our own life, is not our own unique fracturedness felt so acutely even within our own lives The fracturedness of our own failings, our own choices, our own desires, 
fracturedness of our own missed or dashed expectations. That can be huge. Fracturedness from our own pain. Maybe it, it was a betrayal in your life, or maybe there's, there's just something or something circumstantially, or whether through your own volition, our lives begin to become more and more fractured. When all we want, when as, as hard as we try, we try to make our life more whole. But it seems that the world has its way on us, and our own flesh has its way on us to see us more and more fractured. Well, every one of us walked in here today with uh, familiarity with living fractured. I hope that we can be honest with ourselves, but we're familiar with being fractured in a fractured world. And so this call of God on Abraham becomes a call to us as well. Abraham's arguably the, the most important figure, character, person in the Old Testament. After the flood and the scattering of the Tower of Babel, and as God handed the nations over to the fallen Elohim and angels, he chooses one dude to birth a nation out of to reveal who he is to the nations so that he can win the nations back. And it is Abraham's response, it's his faith to God's call that becomes the centerpiece of Israel's, uh, what the nation that came out of Abraham, which was Israel, they always look back to Abraham, the father of our faith. Man, when God called him, he responded, and he said, yes, I believe you. I believe you at your word, and I'm going to take you at your word. And in Christ, God fulfills every promise made to Abraham, that his descendants would be a blessing to the nations, and that if you're in Christ, you too are one of those descendants in the family of God. Amen? So let's dive in. Let's look at this call of God to Abraham that we began last week. Genesis 17, verse 1. When Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, that I may make a covenant between me and you and may multiply you greatly. This life from God is not based on any merit that Abraham had on his life or anything that he did. It was a free gift by God through faith. There was three seamless threads in this call. Last week, we looked at this call to intimacy. Today, we're going to be looking at this call by God to walk in integrity. Call to walk with integrity. And then next week, we'll look at a call to influence. But this call to integrity. God says, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. Blameless. This word, tamim. The root word is Tom. If you know a Tom, they're blameless. Anyway, uh, but Tom, this Hebrew word Tom, it means possessing integrity, wholeness, or uprightness. Integrity, wholeness, or uprightness. So when God says, I am God Almighty, walk before me, be blameless, Meaning, walk with integrity, walk uprightly, walk whole. And though we are in Genesis, we've already seen this word Tom already spoken of in the Scriptures in speaking of Noah. Early in the book of Genesis, against the miserable backdrop of humanity's wickedness, Noah emerges as a luminary in the dark sky. Noah was a righteous man, blameless Tom in his generation. He was blameless, not that he was morally perfect, 
That's not what that means. It means that he has integrity. He was blameless. Noah walked with God. This kind of integrity focuses on an individual's inner being. It speaks not about moral perfection, but it's a state of being. And we'll get to that, but it's this state of being. Integral. Integrity. Integrity is the transcendent connection of the inner world of a person with God. An open and responsive connection with God that as we walk with Him, He heals and connects the fractured parts of our lives and makes them whole. That's what God does. In Genesis 17, 1, God only invites Abraham to walk before Him, but also to experience an integral life. We must not miss the sequential order of God's invitation. To walk with Him intimately leads to a life of integrity. The integral life Abraham longs to live grows out of his relational intimacy with God. In the rich relational womb of a growing intimacy with God, Abraham will discover increasing integrity in his life. In every dimension of his life, Abraham's invited by God to experiencing the flourishing life that he was designed to live, a life that he longed to live, that Abraham longed to live, a life of wholeness before God. And I don't know about you, but if you knew that God longs for you to walk whole as well, to walk with integrity, to not be fractured. So what is our source of fracturedness? What are some sources that fracture us? Well, we start off with our own self. Uh, we just got done going through the book of Galatians, and uh, the theme is the flesh sets itself up against the spirit. And the spirit is sometimes contrary to the things of the flesh. I know that in my own life, the times that I've lived in the flesh, that I was in the flesh, that almost every time it's brought more fracturedness to my life than I thought it was going to bring healing. I thought it was going to bring healing. If I could just kind of go out on my own and kind of do this, man, I'll be fully healed. I'll be much better than where I was over here. But as life goes on, it just seems like, Man, left in my own hands, my life becomes more and more fractured outside of my, even my own control. God, what's going on? It's yourself that's fracturing you. You're leaning into your flesh rather than leaning in to the spirit that in Christ God gives you. So the, the self. How about what's another source of fracturedness? Well, obviously our enemy, Satan, Jesus said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I don't know a better definition of uh, bringing a fractured life to you. <laughs> he wants to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to bring fracturedness in an increasing measure into your life to where you just abandon God to say, I'm all alone, I'm all by myself, I'm going to handle this by myself. That's exactly the position where the enemy wants you to be. And then lastly, Society or culture, you and I were born into a culture that tends to split us in half. Francis Schaeffer, uh, 50 years ago, uh, gave the illustration of a two-story house uh, that with, modern, with uh, the Enlightenment and the flowering out of the Enlightenment and the uh, dawning of modernism in the 20th century, Francis Schaeffer said, man, it seems like we're put in a two-story house. It seems like 
Man, the, 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 the first story, how would you describe it? The first story is like the public story. This is where people come in. This is kind of the public sphere of our life. This is, this is where empirical science has its way, where, uh, which is held objectively true and testable. Uh, this is the realm of public truths, things that everyone's expected to accept regardless of their private beliefs. But then there's the upper story. That is your private beliefs. That is your own moral. That's where morality, that's where theology lives. You keep that to yourself. And everything else that is publicly agreed on, that's what we can talk about. And so even our society that we're born into kind of fractures us into kind of almost two different people, almost it trains us how to compartmentalize ourselves. And so whatever the source of our fracturedness, God asks Abraham and through him to us to walk blameless or whole before God, to walk as an integrated person. One of the greatest temptations from our own flesh and the enemy and the society, like I said, is to compartmentalize to compartmentalize our lives rather than live integrated. And it's all too easy for us to talk it, not walk it. Our life, walking before the Lord, pushes back those insidious lies of compartmentalizing our life or this dichotomous thinking. For example, um, kind of one of the examples that kind of modernism brought with it in that kind of like, you need to see it this way, is... We kind of see things as secular and other things as sacred. And we kind of divide those two up. We say, okay, well, if it has to do with God, or, well, people are kind of sacred, but, but there's a lot of unsacred things. Charles Spurgeon, great theologian and pastor, said this, To a man who lives unto God, nothing is secular. Everything is sacred. He puts on his workday garment, and it is a vestment to him. That vestments are what priests used to wear. He puts on his workday clothes, and it is his ministry outfit. He goes forth and moves in the divine presence to draw a hard and fast line to say this is sacred and this is secular is, to my mind, diametrically opposed to the teaching of Christ and the spirit of the gospel. Man, the transforming truths of the whole counsel of God revealed in the Word must be allowed to speak into every nook and cranny of our life. Our thoughts, our desires, our relationships, our sexuality, our money, where we work, what we do with our lives. Not a square inch of our lives must be left off limits to the Spirit's healing grace and transforming truth. And as you walk with him, the deeper our communion is with him and greater our desire it is to be an integral person, to be an integral leader. When we pursue integrity, all of life comes into greater harmony. The disordered loves of our idol-ridden heart become to fall into place. For example, sometimes uh, you know, we have our own thoughts of who we are and our own thoughts of what we're here to do. Then, as we come and we walk before the Lord, it's like, God, how do you see me? God, what have you made me for? And we begin to change our own fractured definition of our identity and meaning, 
and we exchange it for God's view of you, God's calling on your life. Our desires shift from selfish desires, what I think, what I want, what I feel. And as we walk before the Lord, man, it's amazing how that slowly turns into what God thinks. What does God want? How does God feel about this? And we begin to shift to become selfless, more integrated, less fractured. Our desires, uh, or how about our habits and sin patterns? As we, as we hand those over to God, it's like God takes those and he heals those. All those habits and sin patterns are symptoms of something great deeper in your root system that's going on. Sometimes those fruits, churches are, man, they, they love looking at that fruit and judging the fruit. Yeah, we need to judge the fruit, but yet when we are dealing with a person that's having un, uh, unbiblical fruit in their life, it's like instead of pointing our finger at the fruit and say, look at that bad fruit, it's like, no, 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 there's a cause, there's a root to why we're behaving the way we're behaving. There's a reason Man, if you go back, almost every person that deals with addiction has a trauma in their life that started that whole thing. It's not rocket science. It's just that our heart is fractured and it needs healing by God. How about our relationships? Uh, before we were walking with God, most of us saw our relationships as purely relationally pragmatic, right? Hey, if you can help me, I'll maybe help you. And that's pretty much it. I mean, it was just kind of like, hey, if you can help me out. But as we follow Christ and we walk with God, man, we begin to see that the life that we're given is a stewardship. That everything that you've been given is given to you by God to steward well before him. That that's what our life is going to be judged on. Uh, to invest in and encourage and bring life to other people. How about, our, how about the uh, realm? I'm just giving examples of, of how when we walk before the Lord, he takes our fracturedness and makes it whole. How about our sexuality? When our sexuality is yielded to God, trusting that his way is a better way, man, it's amazing what happens in our hearts when we begin to trust that area in our life to God. It's amazing the kind of healing and wholeness he brings us. And then lastly, a last example is that as we walk before the Lord and as we walk blameless, live an integral life before him, we begin to see with our own eyes that our flesh, that our enemy, and that society out there, they are wanting us. They love us living fractured. But that it's only God that can bring the wholeness our whole being desires. Nothing in the world will bring the wholeness that your heart desires. The gospel speaks into every nook and cranny of our lives because that is where the integral life is forged and formed in our everyday life, including moments of pain ooh, and suffering. Now, man, this is, this, the Hebrew word for Tom, like I said, is closely connected to a way of being or a manner of life. Like I said, it's a state of being, but it's, also illuminated in the midst of suffering. In other words, our integrity is tested by adversity. And Abraham's integrity was tested. Uh, there was uh, where Abraham camped out, 
There was a lot of other peoples around him. And there was a king of Elam, and the king of Elam rallies around three other kings to go and fight the kings of Sodom, kings of Gomorrah, and then like three others. So there was five kings that were attacked by the king of Elam and four other kings. And Abraham's camping out kind of nearby. Well, the king of Elam destroys team Sodom, okay? So the, three, the four kings beat the five kings, and they, uh, they take uh, captives, and they take plunder, and they go off back to Edom, Elam. And uh, one of the captives is, Lot's nephew, is, is uh, Abraham's nephew, Lot. And uh, Lot gets captured. And so Abraham... The whole story, Lot, um, give you a little backdrop. So Abraham is uh, leaving his father's house, obeying the Lord. said, hey, leave your father's house and go to the, the land that I will uh, give you. And so Abraham takes his whole family. It seems like it's a really large family, like hundreds of people. <laughs> and uh, they, they travel, and they go to this town called Hebron. And uh, anyway... As they were there, uh, they go out. Uh, Abraham takes Lot out, and he shows him all this land. And he gives Lot, his nephew, the first choice of what, what land you want. And so there's this fertile land off in the distance, and then there's like a bunch of desert. <laughs> and Lot goes, I'll take the fertile land. And Abraham's like, all right, sounds great. Why? Because Abraham had a life of integrity, meaning that he trusted God. He didn't have to fight for the best land. He didn't have to push his nephew aside and like the world would be and fight for it. It was like, whatever you choose, boom, that's great. I'm trusting in God to provide everything he has for my life. Nothing that he was vying for. But anyway, that was earlier in the story. So now Lot uh, chose this fertile land, and in that fertile land was the towns of Sodom and Gomorrah. So Lot is camping in Sodom, and uh, they get, he gets taken captive. Wow, a lot of words to explain a simple story. Praise the Lord. But Abraham, the man of integrity, goes to rescue his nephew. He takes 318 of his trained men and pursues the king of Elam. He defeats him, and he recovers all the goods that has been taken. Lot, all the women, and other captives. He comes back, he tithes 10% to the Lord through this man named Melchizedek. Hebrews speaks of it. But then this, in Genesis, 12, uh, Genesis 14, he says this, The king of Sodom said to Abram, Give back my people who were captured, but you may keep for yourself all the goods that you've recovered. Abram replied to the king of Sodom, I solemnly swear to the Lord, God Most High, creator of heaven and earth, that I will not take so much as a single thread or a sandal thong from what belongs to you. Otherwise, you might say, I'm the one who made Abram rich. He had a life of integrity before the Lord. He didn't need to hide anything. He knew that uh, he just didn't, and, and he didn't want any, he didn't want the king of Elam to later on say, hey, I was the one. No, Abraham was like, man, only God is the one that gives me the wealth. I'm not going to fight or try to make my own wealth. God is the one, and I'm going to give you everything that's yours. I'm not taking anything for myself. 
Man, wealth. This wealth was even legitimately given to Abraham. But he did not want the glory of his wealth to go to another man, but only to God. This speaks of a man who's unfractured, who walks before the Lord blamelessly, uprightly, and with integrity. Proverbs 2 says this, He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He's a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding paths of justice and watching over the way of His saints. There's other passages in Proverbs that speak of integrity. Uh, Those who have integrity, other passages say He walks securely, uh, that integrity will guide them, Uh, integrity will bring their deliverance, And even those who walk in integrity, their children will be blessed. Your life is a stewardship before God. Our life, our thoughts, our choices, our relationships, our resources that God is asking us to be faithful with. And isn't it interesting that is not the great commandment, this call to live an integrated life before the Lord, Jesus didn't say, love the Lord with all your mind, and then you're just good. No, no, no. This this great commandment that Jesus said, man, of all the 613 laws of the Old Testament, Jesus, which one is the greatest? Here's his answer. Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Man, is that not a pure call to live an integrated life, not just in our mind and our heart, but with all that we are, to walk before the Lord with integrity. God calls you like Abraham to walk before Him. And as you love Him with everything, something amazing happens. God takes our brokenness and our fracturedness and He heals it. He corrects it. He mends it so that You walk as a fully human being made in the image of God. That's his dream for you and I, that we walk fully human. Last week we mentioned David's heart cry before the Lord. It's a cry of repentance, yet it's also a state of being. It's not just this one-time call, from this cry from David that we see, but we see this tenor interwoven through the very nature of who he is. Psalm 139, David cries out, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along the path of everlasting life. Man, if that is not the state of being of David, and should that not be the same state of our own heart, God, let me walk with integrity before you. God, let me walk uprightly. Let me walk blameless. And as God has spoken through his word, there's areas in our life, as he's spoken even here this morning, there's areas in our life we know are fractured. And this is the moment that God has created for you to say, son, daughter, give that fracturedness to me. You weren't made to live with that. You know you weren't made to live with that. So hand it over because I, Only I am the one that can heal it, restore it, and make you whole again. Today is the day to give those places to God. So as we wrap up, man, resolve 
to be a person of complete integrity in every situation with our whole heart relying on the example and power of Christ. And then resolve to live a life of complete integrity in your marriage, if you're married, in your relationships, at work, with your finances and your sexuality, whatever it may be. Let God heal those areas of your life to live unfractured and live with integrity. Amen? Let's pray. Lord God, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for this call that you gave to Abraham to walk before you and to live blamelessly. Father, I pray that we here too could receive that same call from you to walk intimately before you and to walk with a life of integrity. God, that we walked in here with some measure of fracturedness. And God, you know those areas in our heart. You know those areas that... Father, constantly plague us, or God, we're in an acute season right now where we're feeling very fractured. God, right now, we just hand that area over to you. Almost imagine just kind of placing that issue or that area in your life, just put it in Jesus' hands. Hand it over. In your hands, it's going to lead you to more and more fracturedness. But if you let God handle that issue, and allow him to speak, and allow him, as you walk before him, to open up those areas in our heart that God, maybe we're just kind of running away from, or we just don't want to think about, or it's just too uncomfortable. It's in those places that we meet before the Lord to say, God, have your way in this area. Lord, let you be Lord in this area in our life. God, we don't want to live fractured anymore. So God, whether it be our finances, God, our sexuality, God, whatever it may be, God, we hand it over to you to say, God, have your way in us. Lord, we walk before you. Lord, let us, let our hearts be blameless before you. Let us walk an integrated life before you, God. Lord Jesus, I pray for a heart that is hungry for you to speak to us. God, I pray pray against a passive heart. I pray against distractions, God, that keep us passive, but God, I pray that we would pursue you every day, and that God, as we walk with you, those areas of fracturedness would be healed by your hand. Lord God, God, I, I even feel, man, there's some battles that are really intense, man. There's some people here, God, their battles are really intense. God, I pray that your presence, God, would be with them so powerfully this week. God, I pray that you would speak to their heart. I pray that you would speak to them what's going on. Pray that you would give them wisdom and understanding. God, give them power and grace to walk free of whatever's binding them or fracturing them. Lord God, we need you desperately to walk this life before you. So Lord, we lay down our pride. And we say, Jesus, we need you desperately in this hour in our life, in this generation. And God, may we be your people that live integrated lives that give you glory, that draw people to you so that they may too see you before them, that you too may heal their fracturedness and bring them to wholeness. So God, as much as we know we are broken. 
Father, this is a journey. And you've put us in, the people, in people's lives, God, during the week, that will never dawn the door of a church. But God, you have sent your church into that place to be a light and salt and to be an integrated person giving you glory. So Lord, I pray that your presence, God, would be with us. God, be with your church, Big C Church. Go with your people this week. that We may see people come to know you, people get healed, people be transformed by the power of your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, we hope this message has inspired you and challenged you to be the man or woman he's called you to be now and to see his kingdom grow in every area and arena of life. God is with you more than you know. For more information about our community here in Kansas City, please visit us online at citylifekc.org, and we'll see you next time on the City Life Podcast.